Hi there, and welcome to season four of Hormonally Speaking. Yay! <laughs> I can't actually even believe that we're here. It's crazy to me. Season four, almost four years, I believe. I'm not sure that completely coincides, but it's just kind of mind-blowing to me that I'm here talking to you, considering, I'm going to be honest with you, I never wanted to do a podcast in the first place. I'm going to be straight up. And, you know, there's kind of a bunch of reasons why I didn't want to do it, including A, the time that it takes to put them together. It takes a lot to put into a podcast that you don't realize um, if you haven't done one. But also what I recognized over time was that there was something else in me sort of holding me back from doing a podcast. And that really had to do with some fears, some fears of being out in the world in a different way, of elevating my voice in a different way. Because, you know, the reality is we live in a time and a place where both literally and figuratively guns are ablazing, right? And so people can, particularly on social media, come after you in a big way. So it can be really scary to put yourself out in a different way that you have been, right? And I see this with clients, with colleagues. And so the thing that I would say to you, if you're experiencing anything that is sort of nudging you in a particular direction, right? So let me start off by saying, I believe that we totally all have the ability to connect to our intuition, to what's right and best for us as our next steps in our lives. It's not always easy getting there, but I know that we all have the ability to do it. But I will say that sometimes others can see a vision of us or see us in a different way or see our future in a different way than we ourselves can see at that moment. So that's what was happening with me with this podcast. There was a bunch of people saying, you should do a podcast, you should do a podcast. And I was like, I don't think so. Um, But, you know, over time, I finally sat with it. I wish I would have sat with it a little earlier and recognized A, I kind of had to do it in my own fashion and get it started in my own way, but also B, that there is, you know, these things that were fears, essentially, that were holding me back. And so I encourage you in any part of your life where you feel like, okay, I'm seeing these signs, I'm hearing these things from different people, let me just sit with that and see if that is worth me taking a leap on or, you know, connect yourself and be like, yep, that's not for me. And I'm sort of done with hearing about it. So universe, okay, you know, move along your way. But here we are on a season four and I am so, so pumped for this season because I've already done several of these interviews and they're pretty mind blowing. So one of the things that I will say is that I am going to bring in a little bit more of the spiritual or esoteric nature of health this season um, because it does impact hormones. It does impact our health, just like the physical and the emotional parts. I want to be clear, we're not going to get religious in nature, um, no matter what religion you subscribe to or you don't subscribe to. I want this to be something that you feel welcomed and connected to in your own way and how spirituality Um, or, you know, the bigger sense of energetic connection, how that impacts you. And what really got me thinking about it was my most popular blog post on my website, christinegarvin.com, is about the spiritual aspect of fibroids, right? And that really made me sit back and think, okay, women are craving understanding this puzzle piece because so often we focus on the diet, the lifestyle, 
you know, the, um, the movement, all those things that are super important, those are physical things, right? And then I talked a lot about trauma um, and how trauma impacts your system. And we'll continue to talk about that this season too, but we really haven't dove into that spiritual side as much. And I thought back to a podcast that I listened to for about four years that was spiritual in nature. And I always would come out of listening to that podcast feeling very grounded, but also feeling lifted up. And I really want that for you in listening to this podcast. I know that I've gotten such great feedback from so many of you listeners. Um, some women that have literally, they're like, my cycles have changed completely because of something that I learned on your podcast. Or, you know, they are understanding the ways that they're living and how it's impacting their overall health. And, you know, I think sometimes we have to hear this stuff multiple times from multiple different sources in order to really take it in. And so if you've been here since the beginning, you've listened to all these episodes, thank you so much. You are, you know, seriously keeping me lifted up. If you are brand new, um, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you've been listening anywhere in between, um, then you too are such an important part of this process. So I really wanted to take a moment just to thank you for being here. Thank you for continuing to help grow this podcast and for sharing it with your friends, for leaving reviews, all the simple ways that you can help us grow and get this message out to more people. And, you know, in speaking of focusing on that spiritual aspect, we're also still going to dive deep into the science this season, including with today's episode, who is with Dr. Tabitha Barber. And she is an incredible practitioner. She was an OBGYN for years, and she moved her way over to functional medicine because honestly, she found practicing as an OBGYN and she was like top of her game being OBGYN, as you'll learn. She recognized that she wasn't really healing her patients, right? And she herself went through a health crisis where she got to the point where she was like, what I've learned in med school did not get me to healing myself. And so she found her way to functional medicine to heal herself. And she recognized how doing that could actually get women to um, heal from the ground up or from that root cause. So you're going to be floored by her story. It's powerful that her her background story her childhood and everything that she's done in her life i was just mind blown she's amazing um she's super eloquent super easy to listen to i definitely say take your time with this episode because you're going to be sort of mind blown about some of the things that you're going to learn about how allopathic medicine works and then how that is different in terms of functional medicine so one quick thing before we dive into today's episode we do have a uh, free class happening next week, August 24th, um, and this is something that you can sign up at my website, christinegarvin.com, and it's all about perimenopause, kids. Um, it's actually about how your adrenals and your thyroid impacts you during perimenopause in a different way and how you really need to understand how to work with your adrenals and thyroid as you're going through perimenopause to ease it, to make it a lot, um, a lot more fun, a lot less pain as you go through that process. And it is called supporting your thyroid and adrenals to make perimenopause a breeze. So if you want to attend that workshop, it is August 24th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Even if you can't make that time, go ahead and sign up. 
then we'll send you a recording after we're done. Um, and that'll be available for a week after we record the episode. So again, just head to my website, christinegarvin.com. You'll see it right at the top of the homepage where you can grab your free spot. Plus, Take your time going through the website. We've been updating with lots of more, uh, lots more new materials, um, especially articles on everything from perimenopause to fibroids to, um, you know, 10 ways to get 30 grams of protein in, in the morning, um, and breakfast. So lots of good stuff. I hope you take some time, peruse through the website. Also, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter if you have not yet, because I send, um, really good information in there. I got to say, one of my colleagues said to me, she said, your newsletters are, are good. Like she's like, I really enjoy reading them. And so that's a huge, huge, um, you know, uh, good support coming from someone else and hearing that from someone else. So um, if you don't have a spot there yet, go ahead, grab that. You also are going to be the first to know about certain things and first to um, be in on giveaways and stuff like that. So head over to my website, christinegarver.com. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode with Dr. Tabitha Barber. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. I'm happy that you're here with us as always. This week I have a guest on that I'm really happy to talk to because she is, in my opinion, kind of the epitome of what we're starting to look for in our healthcare system, right? Our traditional healthcare system is not doing so well by our actual health. And that's because some of the, you know, old ways of doing things we're recognizing aren't really the best for sort of long-term health, you know, in um, situations of acute care, allopathic medicine does great. In situations of chronic issues, and particularly women's issues, it's been a struggle. And so today's guest has actually moved over from that traditional allopathic path to a functional path. And her name is Dr. Tabitha Barber, and she has devoted her life to giving women a voice and a choice when it comes to their health and well-being. As a young girl, she struggled with self-esteem and identity issues, dealt with peer pressure, and survived the ridicule and stigma of becoming a teenage mother. As she shared in her first published book titled From White Trash to White Coat, The Birth of Catherine's Purpose, these, those events led Tabitha to finding her purpose in life. With perseverance and grace, she was able to redirect her path in life and become a successful physician. Dr. Tabitha Barber is a triple board certified in obstetrics and gynecology, menopause, and functional medicine. She has the unique situation of being licensed to practice medicine in over half the country, so you now have the ability to work with a functional physician virtually. She is the host of the Gutsy Gynecologist Show, where 
she shares her wisdom and knowledge with women everywhere to reclaim their health. She's also a keynote speaker, mentor, wife, mom, and grandma. By incorporating functional medicine into her women's health practice, she is able to provide women with the tools that they need in order to optimize their health and happiness, which in turn allows those women to pursue their purpose in life. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh my goodness. That bio just like incorporates so many things that have happened in your life, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I definitely have not had a boring life. <laughs> no, no. Can we talk about how did you find yourself on the path of even wanting to become a doctor, you know, after your experiences when you were a kid? Yeah, I think this is a really important part of why I do what I do, you know, because when I was a child, I was a free spirit. I didn't like authority. I didn't like (laughs) rules. I didn't like school. I was going to grow up and be a rock star. I had no interest in anything academic. And when I got pregnant in 11th grade, I had to go on Medicaid and food stamps and, Mm -hmm. and a doctor was assigned to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have really any say. And so I got this really old grumpy doctor who was on the verge of retirement and he made it clear that he wanted nothing to do with me. Mm. And so a lot of things were done to me and not explained, you know, and it was really a scary time in my life. And I really grew up during that time and I, I had bet. a traumatic delivery, um, I had a fourth degree laceration from my vagina to my rectum and he didn't repair me correctly. (gasps) And so that was very traumatic and needless to say, I had chronic pelvic issues after that. Yeah, of course. Um, And so, you know, here I am a 17 year old girl and I'm covered in purple stretch marks and my bottom is ripped apart and nothing's functioning well. And I'm trying to breastfeed a baby and watching all my friends go to prom and have graduation parties and plan their lives. And it was, it was very traumatic. And I came out of that with a whole sense of purpose for my life. Like I do not want women to go through what I went through. And I literally just had this epiphany, like I need to become a doctor and help women have a voice and a choice. So they don't, you know, experience what I experienced. And so that led me down a really long, arduous path of, you know, figuring out how to do well in school, got my GED, went to community college, got on the Dean's list and transferred to Michigan state and got into medical school. Like I was so focused that this is what had to happen. I just made it happen. And it's amazing. Like when you believe in yourself and you actually want something, it's, it's not that difficult. You can you do know? it. Yeah, absolutely. Totally Cause you were raising it. a baby the whole time that you were yep, doing and I that actually too. got married to my boyfriend. So we were married for a while. Wow. Um, unfortunately we grew up into different people, you know, yeah. we were children when we got, yeah, hundred percent. So I did all of that. I, I struggled. I got through, I did the surgical residency. I got the attending position, you know, fast forward 10 years, I was supposed to be so happy and fulfilled because I had, you know, created this dream and made it come to fruition. But here I was 
broken and I was stuck in a broken system. I was cranking out 40 patients a day, delivering babies at night, doing surgery while I was super sleep deprived. I was living on donuts and coffee and Mountain Dew. And I was supposed to be happy, right? Like I would go to the grocery store and see all the babies I delivered and everything else. But literally I felt like I was broken and I got to a point where I was having major back issues and I could no longer walk away from the surgical table. Like I would mm-hmm. finish a C-section and I would literally just have to hang and let my back relax because I couldn't physically walk away. I was so destroyed. And wow. one night I couldn't complete a delivery. And so I, I had to do something. Right? Yeah. Like I could no longer function. Your body's like, Mm-mm, we're done. Yeah. My body had rebelled against the way I was living. And I went to the surgeon because that's what I was told to do. And mm. he was like, oh yeah, you have a herniated rupture disc. You just need surgery. You need six weeks off you're good to go. And like that blew me away. The thought of taking six weeks off, abandoning my patients, not doing what I was doing. Cause I was literally just go, go, go. Yeah. And that was one of the hardest decisions I ever did. And I, my partners and my office manager gave me no choice. They were like, you have to, you do, have it. to so, do this. Yeah. Yeah. You can't function. You need yeah. to do this. So I took six weeks off. I healed. I came back. And of course I was on call for five nights straight. Cause that's how it works in conventional medicine. You get punished every time you leave, you have to make up for it. And on my third night, it was actually Christmas Eve and I re-injured my back and I couldn't move. Mm. And how long was this after the surgery? Six weeks. Oh my God. So right. Right. Yeah. So I had to call my partner and say, come rescue me. And so I went back to the surgeon and he said, Oh, back surgeries like Lay's potato chips. You can't have just one. So you were just going to have to put some rods and screws in because you're most likely going to herniate above and below. And so let's just get you all squared away. And oh my God, it was like <laughs> time out. Yeah. Are you insane? Like yeah. I am not even 40 years old. What is happening right now? Right. And that was a huge wake up call. It was kind of like when I was 17 and just, it's a slap in the face. Like Mm -hmm. you have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I did the unthinkable and I took four months off of work and I went and healed myself. I found functional medicine. I found Mark Hyman and I just started reading like a mad woman and was doing physical therapy and any alternative thing that I could think of. I cleaned my diet up like crazy and I felt like a new woman. Mm. It was absolutely mm-hmm. incredible how different I was in that short time period. And, you know, once your eyes are open, you can't go yep. back, right? Yep, so absolutely. I tried to go back to practicing medicine, cranking out patients all day long, being on this crazy call schedule. And I couldn't do it because I wanted to ask my patients about their diet and their stress level. And are you miserable in your marriage? Is that why you're coming and complaining of depression and anxiety and heavy periods? Mm -hmm. Like I knew how I wasn't practicing, how I was practicing wasn't actually helping women. And Mm -hmm. so I, I really 
did a 180 and I lasted about, I don't know, four to six months trying to add functional medicine into my practice Mm -hmm. and it didn't work. You know, the managers were like, you need to do more surgeries. You need to see more patients. You need to make more money. Mm -hmm. This is not going to work. And I left. I just left. You're like, this is, this is it. We can't make this work. Yeah. Yeah. And I was chief of staff of the hospital. I was chief of the department. Like I was the top partner in my practice. I was running the show. And so that was another hard decision in my life, but it's been absolutely the most rewarding because I used to do four to six surgeries a week on women and not actually heal them. And now I don't do any surgery and women actually get better the way I practice. So it's absolutely incredible. And I'm on a mission for women to know that there's another way. There's a way to actually fix the root cause of the issues of your hormone imbalances. And it's not a birth control pill and it's not surgery. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about how you talked about how you know, to get through, you were eating the donuts and drinking the coffee, right. And just going to the anti-inflammatory diet that you ended up going to when you took the time off, right. Like how that brings down so much pain in our body, right. So much of the back pain and those kinds of things are coming from inflammatory foods, right. So it, it, you know, we've talked, we talked about this before, but this sort of like surgical focused society when there's, you know, in some situations, absolutely surgery is necessary, but 90% of the time there is all of this underlying stuff going on that we need to take care of. And those issues will go away because we're sort of not living in the ways that we're supposed to be living as humans and being healthy, essentially. Yeah. I never went back and had another surgery yet. I'm healed. Right. Yep. And I didn't have to go down the path of getting all that hardware put inside of me, multiple surgeries because I got rid of the inflammation. I healed my body from within because our bodies innately have amazing intelligence. They want to be balanced. They want to be in homeostasis. It's just that we continue to do things to prevent that or Mm -hmm. impede that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I also want women to understand that, like, when I listen to your story, just, it hits home this idea of gynecologists are surgeons. Yeah. I did a four-year surgical residency. I spent four years cutting out organs, removing disease, learning different techniques of hysterectomy, vaginal, Mm. open, laparoscopic, robotic, delivering babies, doing procedures in the office. I was not a hormone expert. Mm -hmm. I did not spend my time studying the intricacies of the endocrine system and how the adrenals and the thyroid and the blood sugar all affect your hormones. Mm -hmm. Like that I got about as much as the family practice doctor, honestly, Mm. what I learned was here is the birth control pill to override those hormone systems. And this is what we use for most circumstances. And here are the synthetic hormones we use after menopause. I did not understand hormone imbalance. And I want women to realize when they go to their gynecologist as the women's health expert, 
they don't understand hormones in the way that you need them to. And yes, don't even be (laughs) mad at them. They don't, they were taught how they're trained. They are surgeons yet. We give them, we, we assume that they can handle all these hormone issues and they really can't. So, you know, I I can't even be mad at my colleagues. I don't want to throw them under the bus. It's just, they don't know. I didn't know. And I feel terrible that I treated conditions the way I did for so long with the pill and the IUD and the surgeries, but that is how I was trained as a conventional gynecologist. Right. Right. And I'm glad that you brought up that point of, you know, utilizing synthetic and exogenous hormones, you know, as the way of quote unquote, regulating our hormones when, you know, most doctors don't even tell their patients. And I feel like some of them don't even really understand. They say that it will regulate your hormones, right? So most women believe when you take a birth control pill, that's taking your hormones and making them all okay. Right. Rather than what it's actually doing is shutting down your own hormones and giving you these synthetic hormones in most cases. And so it's like, I mean, I, it blows women's minds when I tell them that they're like, I've never heard that, you know, like we think it's just going in and making everything. Okay. And it's like, there are repercussions for shutting down our own, you know, hormones, the production of them. Like it's going to show up for most women at some point in their life. Exactly. And you know, women are very much Guinea pigs. Things aren't trialed, studied or done. They're just they're, they're rolled out and given mm-hmm. to us. So mm-hmm. birth control pills came out and I'm all for birth control. Like right. I am not saying I'm not. I would not have gone through medical school and college and not had a second baby without it. Right. I, right. I, I couldn't have done all of this, Right. but I wouldn't have stayed on them as long as I did. If I actually had been informed of the ramifications of them their right. long-term use. So right. I just want women to have informed consent for what they're signing up for, because it does shut down your own hormone production. It completely stops the communication between the brain and the ovaries. And for a lot of women, you know, 30 years later, we're seeing that that communication doesn't come back online. Mm. And so women mm. don't go back to having periods or they can't get pregnant. And they're pissed off rightly so because nobody said hey if you take this for 10 or 20 years you might struggle yeah and and now we're finding out that that's the case because it was all just a big experiment and right so- and, and you know one of the things that i learned just in the last couple of years was that it takes our hormones right once you start um, having your period, once you start menstruating at whatever it is, ages 10 through 15, what have you, that it takes seven to 10 years for those hormones to actually regulate, right? For so long, we're kind of producing the estrogen. And then finally we truly ovulate and the progesterone kicks in. So when girls get on birth control at age 15, 16, you're getting in there and changing things up before your own system has actually even regulated. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's the like, system how can that never not got to mature, yeah. you know, yeah. so you can't expect a girl to go on a birth control at 15 or a depot shot, which good oh, word, the worst, um, and then come off at 25 or 30 and be able to get pregnant. It's just, 
it's very sad that we're not acknowledging these yeah. truths, you yeah. know, yeah. and that's not even the full ramifications. It also causes leaky gut and vitamin mm -hmm. and mineral deficiencies and it can be um, a contributor to turning on autoimmune conditions and all of these long-term chronic problems. Mm -hmm. And no one is talking about this right. in the right. conventional space. And I promise it's not going to get talked about, you know, because it's such a political issue. Yes. I mean, we're at the point where they're trying to make birth control pills over the counter, like Tylenol. So yeah. this problem is only going to continue to multiply. And we yeah. need to get the word out there that, okay, if you want to use this for birth control, here's what, you know, yeah. the consequences yeah. are. Yeah. And I want you to be aware of it. And so that's, that's my spiel. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the reality is, you know, I mean, whew, there's not a lot of great options for um, birth control that we would call more easy. Right. Cause I think a lot of women, when they hear about, um, you know, the fertility awareness method, they're like, I don't have time to do that. Um, we're lucky because there are more, at least instruments and things that you can use now to sort of help that. But, you know, there, there definitely need to be more options, obviously, for women for birth control that are not hormonal. Also for men taking over some of the birth control or much more of the birth control than, than they have in the past. But the reality is so many women don't go on the pill because of not wanting to get pregnant necessarily. They're going on the pill because their hormones are driving them crazy. They, you know, they feel like they can't make it through their day or there's just a huge struggle. And that's what their doctor says, okay, this is yes. how we're going to regulate the system. Right. And exactly. so that's the huge problem is being using birth control pills for acne and for mood mm -hmm. issues and for irregular periods, heavy periods, PMS, like all of those are just symptoms. They're yeah. messages from your body yep. that something is out of balance and you need to address that and your yep. hormones will resolve. Like I always tell women, hormone imbalances are the result, not the cause of your issues. They're, they are just as affected <laughs> as the rest of you. So you have to figure out why are your hormones imbalanced? You need to start asking why instead of accepting the birth control pill as the answer. Mm -hmm. And it almost always comes back to your diet and lifestyle. How yep. is your gut health? What are you eating? How are you managing your stress? Are you, you know, burdening your liver with alcohol and medications and all these exogenous chemicals and different toxins and things like that. And when you teach teenage girls how to think about that mm -hmm. stuff and clean up their diet and lifestyle, they don't need birth control pills. Right. I, I do it all the time. And it's amazing how surprised the moms are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised because that's how we were ingrained in this society. Like that the birth control pills, the answer, that's the go-to. That's just what you do. You start yeah. having periods. They're a nuisance. They're uncomfortable. Oh, you yeah. just get on the pill. Like yeah. we're really taught to ignore our health as women and our yeah. cycles and that it's just a burden and we need to ignore it. And so I would encourage us to like embrace the idea of 
getting in tune with our bodies and listening to those messages because we have so much control over them. And that, that can be really empowering. Like, Oh, so empowering. I actually need to rest for this next week because I ovulated and my body wants to chill yeah. as opposed to like, you need to push through, you need to right. fight harder. Right. Or yep. just the crazy messages that we teach our girls because we've been taught it. So yep. we, we need some disruption with all of this. A hundred percent. I have a colleague who teaches uh, girls and their families about their cycle, right? So she's, you know, sort of that targeting that 10 to 13 age range. And I'm like, we need so many more of her, right? Because she really does take it and flip those messages on its head, right? Of when you, when you move it into, I don't want to even want to say a different mindset, but when you have a different picture of it, right? It's a very cool, empowering thing. And interestingly, I don't know why, because it's not like I necessarily got it from my family, but I was actually really excited about my first period and felt really empowered in it. Although some situations happened with my mom that were disempowered, ended up being disempowering. But, you know, I think, what if we teach our girls, like, this is a really amazing thing. Our bodies are this, these cyclical beings that we have all of these different powers at different times in our cycle. And if you understand you know, when and how, and what supports you in those times, like you're a powerhouse on a different level. Right. Plus, in my opinion, that can help girls in, you know, this very like sex pressured society. Right. And especially with things like porn coming at, you know, little kids seeing porn before they even like learn about sex from their parents and the repercussions of that in terms of girls hitting puberty, getting pressured, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if you empower a girl to understand her body, then she has more of the ability to stand up and say, this is right for me, or this is not right for me, you know, instead of this whole, like pick up the rug and sweep it all underneath (laughs) there, you know? And my colleague said that one of the things that she sees with the parents and even in particular, you know, the, the dads is they, they start off so uncomfortable in the situation, you know, but then as they learn, they become more comfortable with it. And it's like a thing that they can talk about as a family. So it doesn't feel shameful. It doesn't, you know, and it's like, I I think she teaches about like literally having a calendar on the fridge, And so you kind of know, I mean, obviously you're not super regulated when you're that young, but, you know, sort of know what's happening or what's coming when and how that helps the family work together better too, you know? So I'm like, well, what a, like, right. So different than so much. Yeah. than how we do things. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that is, that would change everything right there. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, I think about like, I got on birth control probably when I was 18, I think right when I went to college and I had like horrible acne as a teenager. I definitely had yeast infections looking back, um, you know, horrible, horrible cramps. But also my mom had had horrible cramps. So it was like, oh, this is just a genetic thing, you know, but it's like, oh, if I knew then what I know now. Right. And it's like, yeah, my my diet was full of sugar, as many kids, teens diets are right. And full of like fast food and everything. And it's like that if all of that could have just even been a little bit different. Yes. (laughs) What my teenage years could have been like, you know. 
Exactly. I think if we can teach them that what they're putting in their bodies actually affects them physically and can have an effect on their periods, I just find it to be really empowering, especially when girls get into high school and they have more control over what they're eating and they get to choose like their breakfast and their lunch. A lot of the time, you know, I just think I see them making better choices Mm -hmm. when they know that it affects their skin and their mood and their energy and their weight. Like that stuff matters to them and they want to be their best, but we're not giving them the right tools. You know, I have kids who are in elementary and middle school. And so I hear the curriculum that they're taught Mm -hmm. and they're still being taught like, eat a ton of grains and processed GMO crap and you can have sugar in moderation. And like, it's just, it's sad what they're hearing from society. And so as parents, you have to be involved and help them see how it works and give them a good example. Like I make sure that I talk about how I, how food makes me feel, you know, Mm -hmm. because food obviously makes my son feel a certain way. And I wanted him to make that connection, but he didn't want to just drill it into his head because that's not how kids hear. Right. So you have to get them to be like, Oh, I think I don't feel so great from that ice cream cone Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine it's, it's a tough balance sometimes, right? Because it's like, you don't want to, yeah, come in with a dagger and be like, you have to eat this way, you know, cause that's not going to work, but having them start to make the connections, particularly as teenagers, absolutely. You know, and that's definitely just not a message that we're getting in the mainstream at all, you know, right. and our, and our food systems obviously are generally getting worse too, unfortunately. So it's like, you have to work even harder to eat well, you know, in terms of like right. just making those good choices. So, so once you decided to go the functional route, so what happened? Like, how did, did you open up your own practice? Did you, you know, what, tell us the story of what happened. Yeah. So I just decided that I was going to completely give up obstetrics. I was no longer going to deliver babies or do surgery. And I was just going to do functional medicine for women. I started out at a wellness center that didn't work out and I quickly had to pivot um, and create an online practice because unfortunately they went bankrupt and they didn't tell me until the doors closed one day. And I had a full schedule of patients for months and months. And so I, you know, I said, what can I do? And I literally created an online practice in one week and I shifted everybody over and I just started seeing them from my house. You know, I'm sitting here in my house right now Mm -hmm. and it's been wildly successful here. I am. Mm -hmm. It's just over a year now. And it's like, I'm nonstop. I'm so busy. And I originally got licensed in multiple states because I was going to oversee nurse practitioners Mm. that were in different states. Mm -hmm. And when everything shifted and it was just me and word got out, women just started showing up from everywhere. And it's uh, like, I'm so grateful to be able to do this, but it's also really heartbreaking that Mm. women everywhere feel dismissed and unheard and not treated 
fairly you know I'm hearing it everywhere as far as Australia women are just like my doctor doesn't believe that there's hormone imbalances they tell me that it can't be tested they don't think I need to you know be on hormones like we just get all these dismissive statements and women are fed up they're they're sick of it and you know so I'm right now currently trying to figure out like how do I clone myself how do I help right we need more of you (laughs) because women are waking up and they're ready to take back control and you know there's only one of me and there's millions of women who are disgruntled and frustrated so that is my new mission like figure all of this out because this conventional system is broken and it's failing women miserably. Yeah. So you're licensed in multiple States now. And so you can see women from a bunch of different States. Yeah. I think it's currently 28 States or something like that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I know. I'm sure that's a lot, (laughs) but yeah, it's like, so do you create a functional gynecology school to teach like nurse practitioners or, you know, it's, yeah, I'm sure that there's kind of lots of uh, ideas and thoughts in your mind around all of it. Yeah. I mean, every single day I'm getting women from all over the place who are just, they're in the same boat, you know, especially when it comes to thyroid issues, they're being mismanaged. And I see a ton of women not being diagnosed with an autoimmune component of that. And they're just being given Synthroid and Synthroid downregulates their thyroid. And, you know, their reverse T3 is like 25. And so they're coming to me and they feel like crap and they don't know why. And their doctors tell them it's all in their head. And, you know, I just, every day I'm seeing something or people come to me and say, well, I've been told that I don't have an adrenal issue. And it's because conventional medicine only looks at disease. Like Mm -hmm. I would love for women to get this point. Medicine is very much a disease diagnose focused state. So we are not taught how to actually create health and wellness. Mm -hmm. We are, we are taught how to search for a diagnosis that matches up with a medication or a surgery that has an insurance ICD 10 code to go with it, to complete our charting, to get paid, to make our employers and hospital systems happy. And we learn how to manage that disease, you know, with the fact that hopefully slow it down, but there's never any thoughts or beliefs that we can stop these processes or reverse them or actually create wellness. Like Mm -hmm. that is not taught in conventional medicine at all. And so if you don't have complete adrenal failure where your adrenals aren't functioning or a tumor that's causing like, you know, levels in the thousands, you don't have an adrenal problem because there's not an ICD-10 code for that for a medication to treat your adrenal dysfunction. So Mm -hmm. when you're dismissed by your doctor and told that your adrenals are fine, it's because you don't have one of those extreme diagnoses. You know, I try to explain to women, it's the same thing with diabetes. You know, you'll get your your complete blood chemistry once a year. Those are like your good markers for 
making sure you're healthy, a CBC and a CMP. You come back, your glucose says it's like 105 or something. And they're like, oh, you're fine. We'll see you next year. <sighs> if you're lucky, you might get a hemoglobin A1C. Like if you pay out of pocket, say it's 5.6. You're good. We'll see you next year. You know, next year it's 5.7. Oh, your blood sugar's up a little bit. You need to change your diet. We'll see you next year. This continues on until you're told you have diabetes. And lo and behold, the patient's like, you told me I was fine and healthy last year. What, what do you mean I have diabetes? So it just happened this past year? No, they don't follow trends in conventional right. medicine. We do not look at the pathway that you're going down on your health and illness mm -hmm. journey. We wait until you get to the destination to make this declaration of, yep, you have diabetes. Yep. yep. You have heart disease. And so it's not doing women any favors to go to these exams every year and get this blood work and give them this false idea that they're healthy when they're really on the wrong paths and they're not being, you know, guided properly. So I just want women to understand that. And again, it's because medicine is a disease focused entity. And so if you want to actually be healthy and well, you need to find a functional doctor, an integrative doctor, an anti-aging doctor, someone who understands health and wellness and go that route because whatever you focus on is what you're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. If you focus on disease, you're going to get disease. Right. Right. That was so beautifully put and such an important thing for women to understand, right? I try and explain to my clients all the time, you know, a, the reference ranges on those labs are massive to begin with. Right. And it's right, like, cause we're trying to rule out tumors right. or tell you you're not going to die tomorrow. You know, like right. it, it's like pathology essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the estrogen levels go from 30 to 300 quote unquote normal. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you can wear a, a sock size six to nine, but you can't wear shoes six to nine. You know, I yeah. am an eight. If I wear a six, I can't wear that shoe. It will be miserable. Right. And if I wear a nine, it will fall off my foot. Like literally those ranges mean nothing mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's fascinating too, because all of clients come to me with some of their labs and even then there'll be things out of the reference range and the doctor is still like, oh, it's fine yep. <laughs> because they don't have the diagnosable disease. I see that all the time with liver enzymes, liver yes. enzymes will be, you know, in the hundreds or a couple Oof. hundreds. And this, what we say is, oh, you probably have fatty liver developing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so you're on the path to cirrhosis and liver failure. <sighs> But we don't intervene because there is no medicine at that point. There is no surgery right. needed. Right. And we don't know how to reverse fatty liver as a conventional medical system. Right. We do in functional medicine, like right. get rid of your processed foods and carbohydrates. Exactly. We understand that. <laughs> but in conventional medicine, that's just not, not taught. Fair. And yeah. so I, I tell women, it's not even worth being frustrated. Just go seek alternative health. Yes. Find a provider who understands health. 
Absolutely. It reminds me of a story of one of my clients, um, because of course I can't diagnose since I'm, you know, an unlicensed practitioner, um, but ran some labs and her antibodies, her thyroid antibodies were, I can't remember which one, but it was six, 600, right. Which is a little scary, yes. <laughs> but her thyroid was still fine. Like it was actually even may have been a little bit out of functional range. Maybe her TSH was a little bit, but I, her free T4 and free T3 were looking good, you know? So I said, you know, there may be some autoimmune component happening here. You should talk to your doctor. Right. And her doctor took a look at that and the 600 thyroid antibodies, they were like, Oh, your thyroid looks fine. You know, like uh, we don't, we don't worry about these antibody numbers. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, because as you said, like until her thyroid is essentially busted via what shows up on the thyroid labs, they can't do anything. And all they'll do at that point is put her on Synthroid, right? That's pretty much the process. Or even worse on biologics to suppress the immune Mm -hmm. system. So Mm -hmm. autoimmune is grossly mishandled in conventional Mm -hmm. medicine. It breaks Mm -hmm. my heart how we just have this complete lack of understanding of the autoimmune process Mm -hmm. and what the triggers are and the drivers of this confused, overactive immune system. Mm -hmm. So it's not that your immune system hates you and it wants to take out your thyroid. It's confused Mm -hmm. and it's responding to something that it keeps seeing and you're not removing that trigger. And so conventional medicine will say, well, then let's just suppress the immune response so that it stops happening. The problem is you suppress the entire immune system. And then you can become very sick. You're at risk for developing cancers. I mean, these biologic medications are very scary to me. Like that's the last thing I would ever put in my body. Yet they prescribe it like it's candy. Like it's no big deal. Like, oh, you just need to go on a biologic. And the ramifications of that are huge. And, you know, so often we don't even understand in conventional medicine that estrogen is immunoprotective. Like we know, like, let me just explain. I I learned this in medical school. Like I learned that when you get pregnant, your estradiol gets suppressed Mm -hmm. because you, (laughs) that's all right. The, the animals always make their way in at some point. Apparently there's some wild animal outside. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Like, mom, something's oh going God. on. Come on. <laughs> so we know when women get pregnant, half of the fetus has foreign DNA. It's from the man. It's DNA that would be destroyed by your own immune system mm. if it saw it in the body. So what happens is our body turns down estradiol, which turns down our immune system so that we don't reject that fetus. We Mm. keep it there and keep it alive. Mm -hmm. And the same things happens when we go into menopause and that estradiol level goes down, our immune system shifts and we don't have that protective immune response anymore. We get this major downregulation and you see autoimmune conditions pop up at menopause Mm. all of the time. Mm. Yet we don't put two and two together in conventional medicine and say, 
oh yeah, I think the hormones are related. Same thing with cardiovascular disease and diabetes. As soon as your estradiol level is consistently at menopausal levels, you become insulin resistant. Your arteries in your cardiovascular system harden, they lose their elasticity. So your blood pressure goes up. Mm. It, it shifts how things are processed in the liver and your cholesterol goes up because you're no longer using all that cholesterol to transport your hormones. Like mm-hmm. all of these things are affected and nobody says, huh, that might be related to her hormones. You know, <laughs> like. It's so frustrating. So all I can do is like just educate women because the the system is so broken. It's like a lost cause. I remember being a broken physician. I didn't have time to read new studies and look outside of my two mandatory journals that I had to get through each month. You know, like I was freaking exhausted. I didn't watch daytime TV or do any of these things. So I never knew about health and wellness. Mm -hmm. I never knew about Dr. Mark Hyman and functional medicine. Like literally those words were foreign to me until Mm -hmm. I went on that healing journey Mm -hmm. because I was never exposed to it. I was stuck in my broken system, seeing patients 24 seven, just trying to survive. And so I I just, I want women to understand, like, they're not going to get what they need in that broken system and not, and don't even be mad at the doctors. They're just as broken as you are. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them are, you know, yeah. Struggling and not really wanting to be a part of that system. I don't want to say most of them, but a lot, it seems like more and more are just tired of being part of that system because I mean, what kind of life do you have, you know, when you're that, when you're a doctor working that many hours and don't have time for anything else, you know, it's, it just Mm -hmm. makes no sense. Let's piggyback off of that because I do want to talk a little bit about, um, hormone replacement therapy and, you know, sort of your thoughts on that. And particularly a lot of women that listen to this, um, podcast are in perimenopause. Right. And there's kind of this debate of when should I, et cetera, et cetera. So take us down that path. Yeah. So when I went to medical school a long time ago, it was like over 20 years ago, what I learned was already antiquated. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like what we learned in the fifties and the sixties, not much changes. When you go to medical school, I learned that you start puberty, you have periods, you get pregnant, you have more periods. You have this perimenopausal transition of about one or two years while your, your periods start to um, grow further apart, or you skip a few, they lighten up and then you go into menopause and stop having periods. Like literally that's what I learned. And then you can use hormones if necessary. But then I came out into residency and the women's health initiative came out their preliminary results and scared the entire world. And everybody got taken off their hormones overnight. So it was a really interesting time for me to be training and coming out and everybody was scared of hormones and we thought hormones kill hormones are bad. And so that is the myth that's been perpetuated now for 20 years. Cause this was 20 years ago. And so women are definitely scared of their own hormones, which is super sad. Mm-hmm. He- here's the problem. 
that study had so many issues. Mm -hmm. That study, first and foremost, was on synthetic conjugated equine estrogen from horse yeah. urine. <laughs> and it had a synthetic progestin in it, not at all bioidentical. Bioidentical, all that means is it's the same chemical molecule that your body makes. And so it fits into the receptors and sends the same signals. And so the synthetics, they, they go into the receptors, but they don't bind in the exact same way. And they send a little bit different signals. And so synthetic progestins actually do send the signal to the uterus to stop growing the lining of the uterus. So you don't mm. get uterine cancer or, mm -hmm. or fibroids, things like that. But it goes to the receptors in our brain and our cardiovascular system and the rest of our body and sends a warp signal. And that's why women feel depressed on progestins and mm. they gain weight and they feel not like themselves because it's not sending the exact same signal. It's a different molecule. So here we are, we study these synthetic hormones. The average age woman in that study was 64. So she was already 10 years postmenopausal. She had been without hormones for 10 years oh. and then they gave her these synthetic mm -hmm. hormones. The majority of them were smokers, which in, we just don't do that, right? <laughs> right? Like we know that you have a risk of blood clot and stroke with smoking. And they, the majority of them already had comorbidities like diabetes or cardiovascular disease mm. setting in. And so that what we've learned is that's not the appropriate population to give hormones, right. especially synthetic hormones. So right. we did learn things. That's mm -hmm. what we learned. We learned that you want to start hormones during the menopausal transition where hormones are starting to decline, mm -hmm. not 10 years or more afterward. And you want to use the bioidentical chemical that your body makes, mm -hmm. not something that isn't the same because it sends different signals. Mm -hmm. And so now we understand how to do this safely as opposed to what they did in this women's health initiative. Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years ago. So we, we have learned a lot, but in the meantime, women had to suffer for the past yes. 20 years. And now we have to undo all of the myths and the lies that estrogen kills and all of these crazy things. Like literally in that study, the estrogen plus progestin arm is what had an increased risk of breast cancer. It was the synthetic progestin. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah. It was the estrogen that causes, you know, risk of blood clot and stroke. So what we now understand is if you can don't take oral estrogen, get it through your skin to bypass that liver. So you don't have that risk of blood clot and stroke, mm -hmm. even with the bioidentical estrogen, because when bioidentical estradiol goes into your gut, it actually gets metabolized by bacteria in your gut into estrone before it even goes into your bloodstream to get used. So mm. you're already converting it into a form you don't like before you even use it. So mm. I don't like oral estradiol. Mm -hmm. I like patches, creams, pills, pel you know, pellets, mm -hmm. not anything that has to go through the gut. Mm -hmm. Progesterone is the opposite. Progesterone is great as a capsule because it actually gets metabolized into a form that hits your GABA receptors in your brain and helps you sleep and helps you have less anxiety. It's like your body's natural anti-anxiety 
hormone. Mm -hmm. So progesterone is not only needed to protect the uterus from unopposed estrogen, but it's needed to protect your entire body from unopposed estrogen. Mm -hmm. So we are still failing women in conventional medicine in this regard. If you have a hysterectomy, we will give you estrogen for your hot flashes and, you know, menopausal symptoms, but we don't give progesterone because we don't think we need to protect you because your uterus is gone. And that is antiquated, outdated garbage. Like if if you are on estrogen, you need to be balanced with progesterone. I don't care what your age or whether or not you have a uterus that is besides the point. Right. So progesterone keeps us balanced. It keeps us feeling amazing. The other piece of it, you know, testosterone also declines from menopause. Mm -hmm. Once our ovaries are no longer making hormones, our adrenal glands take over. And so our adrenal glands start making more estrogen and testosterone from DHEA. And what we have seen over the past 30 or plus years is that women are so busy and successful and doing all these amazing things, running companies and being entrepreneurs and having families, doing it all, having it all, being it all, that by the time they get into their 40s, their adrenals are already shot. So once their ovaries start failing, They don't have that backup reserve of their adrenals for their sex hormones. So we're seeing these perimenopausal symptoms 10 or 15 years before menopause. And what it is, is adrenal dysfunction and adrenal, you know, they're giving out on us. We don't have any reserves. We don't have any backup ability to make sex hormones. Once our ovaries fail, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more and more women going into premature menopause because they're training for triathlons. They're the CEO of some huge company. They're, you know, all at the same time, (laughs) right. All at the same time. And it's like, oh my gosh, we can have it all, do it all and be it all, but maybe not at the same time. Not all at once at the, you know, expense of our ovaries and our sex hormones. So yeah, that all needs to be taken into consideration because our great grandmothers did not have this chronic everyday stress that we have. Right. They were not up recording podcasts at <laughs> nine in the morning and seeing patients all day. And like yeah. I coach lacrosse and we go to like tournaments and yeah. I mean, we're constantly doing stuff doing as stuff. women and yeah. we're trying to work out and look good and have fun with yep. our girlfriends and do all the things. And that is really taxing on our body. So I encourage women, if you're at the prime of your life, when you, when your ovaries stop working, you can safely go on bioidenticals. There is a safe, beautiful way to do it. And, you know, there's this huge argument that menopause is natural and we should just allow that process to happen and you shouldn't be pushing bioidenticals. And I don't push anything on anybody. I give them all the options. And right. but here's the reality. The year 1900, our lifespan was 49, right? Right now it's 82. So we're right. living half of our life in a menopausal state without yeah. hormones. That feels like crap. Yeah. And if we are just at the prime, when this happens, I've seen women lose their jobs, lose their careers. I've seen way too many relationships and marriages 
go in the shitter because mm-hmm. women no longer feel like themselves without exactly. their hormones. They, exactly. they lose everything. Yep. And so if why do we have to suffer? To man, there <laughs> right. would be no question. Exactly. Right? Um, I mean, yes, we, I'm going on hormones. Right. Of, it, duh. It's like Viagra but, is pushed for men in their 70s, but women have to like feel like crap for 40 years. <laughs> exactly. So I'm not ready to sit on the porch and knit. You know, yeah. I might be a grandma, but I am very busy and yeah. I have stuff to do. And yeah. unfortunately, you need hormones to do that. Yes. And so I just, I encourage women to find a practitioner who understands the intricacies of hormone balance. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other piece I see all the time is women will get on bioidentical hormones, but they won't take care of their adrenals and their thyroid and their stress and their diet. And so we're constantly dose chasing and adjusting things because you're not actually fixing the problem. You're not metabolizing your hormones properly. Your adrenals are still struggling and stealing your progesterone. It doesn't matter if you're making it or taking it. So you have to do all the work yeah. regardless of whether or not you take bioidenticals. Absolutely. It's such an important point because again, a lot of times, yeah, I get it. Sometimes when women are just like struggling, it's like, give me the hormones. And it's like, absolutely. And you need to make these other changes too. Right. I know we are, we're coming to an end, but I have two quick questions I wanted to ask you. Um, in terms of, as you mentioned, you know, in the study, women were over 60 when they put them on hormones. We know that it's much better to go on hormones as you're hitting sort of the menopausal transition. But what do you think about women, say, that have been in menopause for 10 years and they do have indications of osteoporosis and maybe some heart disease and that kind of thing? Do you think it's okay for them to go on bioidenticals at that point if their, you know, hormones are flatlined? I think it's worth having that discussion with your provider Mm -hmm. that everybody's an individual. So we all have different risk factors. I want to know, like, how overweight are you? Do you smoke? Do you move your body? Do you drink? How much alcohol do you drink? Mm -hmm. What does your diet look like? And if you're willing to clean all of that stuff up and take the risk of possibly having a blood clot or a stroke, Mm -hmm. that type of thing, Mm -hmm. then yeah, let's do that. And some women only need topical at that point, just Mm -hmm. enough, especially vaginal health, like that gets really bad, you know, after about age 60, a lot of women will tolerate it through their fifties. It's uncomfortable. It's dry. My bladder's irritated these things. And they just like they suffer through and then yeah. they hit about 60 and it's like, I'm peeing my pants and miserable. I gave up sex completely because it's horrible down there. And that's when they're realized like, man, I should have went on some hormones, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily the safest to start systemic hormones at that point, but I do have women that do sometimes, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. if they're overall healthy otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's still that stigma of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get breast cancer. Like that's literally what's just ingrained in our brain. And I will tell you, alcohol is the biggest risk factor for breast cancer, not estrogen, it's alcohol. So if you want to save your breasts, stop drinking so much. There there it is. (laughs) And you will actually metabolize your estrogen properly because you're not metabolizing all that alcohol. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Because we've been fed a line of bull crap and we need to undo and it all continues, that. Yeah, it continues to be out there. Thank you so much for answering that question. I think that was such important points you included. So one kind of really specific question and then we'll wrap it up. Um, what do you think in terms of, you know, a lot of women will go to uh, maybe an over-the-counter bioidentical progesterone, right? Because that's something that they can get without a prescription. Um, And so, you know, whether it's good or bad, whatever, you know, like obviously I recommend always work with a practitioner too, because you want to be able to test, you want to be able to track your symptoms and everything, but some women are doing it out there. And so, you know, I just kind of want to speak to that in terms of testing. um, Is there a good way to test the hormones when you're using the topical progesterone, because I know there's a lot of debate out there. Yes. Yes. So I will tell you as a gynecologist, I started with the topical progesterone because taking bioidentical progesterone was never anything I was taught. I wasn't taught to prescribe it or use it. And so I started with the oil and lo and behold, I started sleeping better and feeling better. And I finally went on prescription Mm -hmm. and for some women, the topical is enough to Mm -hmm. help with the symptoms and Mm -hmm. really calm things down. So I have women who will do topical and stay on that Mm -hmm. because the prescriptions are higher doses. You know, you can double up on your cream. If you're taking 40 milligrams, double dose is 80. That's pretty close to what a lot of menopausal women take is Mm -hmm. 80 to hundred. So it does work really well for a lot of women. If you're on estrogen and you have a uterus, you probably need a higher dose for that uterine protection. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, yeah, the creams and oils are fine. Mm -hmm. But like you mentioned, you can't really measure those levels in blood work or even saliva or urine. The topicals just don't metabolize into a form that can be measured. And Mm -hmm. so it is completely based on symptom relief. How do you feel? Do you feel better? Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, that's how conventional gynecologists practice. So they should not be poo-pooing that because <laughs> right. that's how I was trained to prescribe estrogen is you right. start at the lowest dose and you increase it until their symptoms have subsided. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we weren't trained to measure levels or to follow levels, any of that. It's right. all based on symptom control. Right. You read all of the ACOG bulletins, the NAM society, like the menopause society, American college of OBGYNs, it's all based on symptom control. Mm -hmm. So it's completely reasonable, but I would argue, you know, now that I've gone through functional medicine training and A4M training, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff, it, the safest way to do it is to see how you're metabolizing Mm -hmm. with a urine test to Mm -hmm. see those metabolites of your estrogens, see what your levels are periodically to make sure that the dosing is in the correct range, because Mm -hmm. it, it depends on if you want just symptom control, or if you want the anti-aging disease growing process benefits of it. So there's a couple different levels. Yeah. And then there are some who advocate levels of continuing women to cycle after menopause, Mm -hmm. reproductive age levels Mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily agree with. I haven't seen the research to 
for that benefit, right. you can get the benefit without going all the way right. up to having the cycle again. And right. Who wants to have a yeah, cycle? I know. They're like, that's, that's not the part I want. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, I want to feel better. I don't want to bleed freedom. again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was um, super helpful. So this was an amazing, amazing interview. You covered so many important points for my listeners. And I'm so, you know, I mean, I feel like I try and drill these things in my listener's head, but like, it's always good to hear from a doctor who really understands this from so many levels to be saying these things so that, you know, it, it just gives women a lot of freedom. Um, around some choices now and, and understanding yeah. that impact of diet and lifestyle always coming back to that, you know? So exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay. You guys, uh, thanks for being here and I will see you next time. 